Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want to read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to do something very, very different today. I want to read it from two different versions. So here's what it says. This is from the New King James Version, which is the version I preach to you from each week. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Now, let me take you to the New International Version. By the way, some of you know this. The newer translation, I even hate to have to do this. But the caveat is the newer translations of the NIV, stay away from it. They ruined it. It's not even a Bible. They, they translated it wrong. Stay with it. But the original NIV was okay. They went and messed it up. And that's what happens when liberal people get a hold of God's word. And, and liberal people took the NIV and then went and totally messed it up. It, you could throw, this sounds horrible. You could throw it in the trash. It's not a Bible. They might put Bible on it, but it's not. It's not even how God speaks. But the old NIV was fantastic. And I love what they did here, and I wish the new King James would have done this. So look at what the NIV says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Look at this. And that is what we are. Now, that wasn't the interpreters throwing that in there saying, that sounds good right here. I went back and looked at the text in the Greek, and that is exactly what John wrote. That is exact, and I wish they'd have done that in the New King James. I guess they felt like the first sentence sort of covered it. But are we children of God, brothers and sisters? Yes. Everybody say that with me. That is what we, make it personal, that is what I am. Give God praise this morning while you're being seated. That's right there. That's enough right there to get you excited. Dads, dads, I want to talk to you today. Dads do a lot of things. We're doers. We're fixers. We, we like to fix things, and we like to get in the middle of things. When, when we face a crisis and there's no plan, we're usually not very good. But if somebody will say, here's a plan, we don't even know if it'll work, our whole demeanor will change because we're going to do something. I just can't sit around and do nothing. If we get, let's do it. What if it fails miserably? doesn't matter. We're doing something. I, when I drive, cannot sit in traffic and poke on the interstate. I'm going to get off the exit even if it will cost me an additional hour just so I can keep moving. Are there any men in the house who can? Yeah. Can't stand it. Got to be moving. Dads are doers. Life and the Bible, which is about life, tells me that there are two fundamental or primary things that dads do, and I want to focus on them today. Two things, dads beget and dads bestow. Stay with me. 
when you beget, you bring things into existence by the process of reproduction. So begetting involves generation, procreation. The Gospel of Matthew, the New Testament, I'm going to show you something you maybe never, never thought of before, begins with dads, with a list of dads begetting. The genealogy of the Lord, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and here it goes. Abraham begot Isaac. Then Isaac begot Jacob. Then Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, and so on and so on. The first 15 verses of the Bible, dads is a list of dads doing what dads do, begetting. The second thing that dads do is they bestow. To bestow, and I know that's not a word you're going to use every day, but to bestow is to give something to your child with absolutely no expectation of return. We beget and we bestow. Let me be a preacher for a while. When God saved you, God the Father, he begot you. It was a spiritual procreation. It wasn't generation, it was regeneration. That's a theological term, to be born again. A new you came into existence. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. But also when God saved you, he bestowed on you. That's what we read in our text. He lavished you with his great love. And he not only did it the day you were saved, but he does it every day of your life. And it's not ooey-gooey, feel-good love. It's substantive love. It's tangible love. I, I, I got a line, it's love that leaves a mark. That's a good kind of love. In love, when he saved you, he gave you a new identification, a new designation. You were a child of hell, a child of sin, a child of the devil. You were an enemy of God, but then he adopted you and regenerated you and gave you a new birth. And at that moment, you became a son or a daughter of God. I'm talking about you. You can call him father. He calls you my child. And this new familial relationship with God is the basis of your new identity. So, have you ever looked at a child and looked at somebody else and said, whose kid is that? And they said, oh, that's Bob's kid. Thought so. Man, that child is the spitting image of Bob. Wow. I can see the resemblance. Well, guess what? When God saved you, he did such a work in you, 
made you his. That when people look at you, they should say to somebody else, who does she belong to? Who, who does he identify with? Because she doesn't talk like the rest of us. And he sure doesn't act like we act. There's something different about it. Well, he's a Christian. He calls God his father. He's, he serves the Lord. Thought so. Yep, that explains everything. Yep, that's why they're not like us. I can see the difference. I can see the resemblance. That's good preaching right there. That's how we should live. If they can't see the difference, you might want to get in a prayer closet and pray through. For a few minutes, I just want to explore what it is that fathers bestow to their children. Don't plan to preach long. Number one, if you're taking notes, a father bestows identity. Now, I'm going to speak to dads with boys and girls, sons and daughters, and there'll be a moment that I'm going to talk about dads and sons, so just bear with me today. Let me give you a line. I want you to think about this. You name your child at birth, but you identify your child throughout their life. Think about that. You give them their name at birth, but you help them know who they are throughout the entirety of their life. You're the one who tells him or her who he or she is. 1 John 3, 1, in that verse, John says that God has identified us, designated us, called us children of God. And then, as I pointed out earlier, John says that is what we are. And I'm glad that verse is in the Bible because this is a confidence builder. It's like John is saying, I know what you used to be, but this is what you are now. Don't doubt it. Do y'all ever wrestle with doubt on whether or not you're saved? You ever have days like that? You ever doubt sometimes, am I really a child of God? Don't do it. You're a child of God. That is who you are. You belong to the Father. And so what I see here is that it is the Father, in principle, who eliminates the doubts and assures his child that they belong to him. That's what God does to us in the Scriptures. Regardless of what others say to you or do, regardless of the shortcomings of the child or the failures of the child, one thing is certain, their identity is secure you can look at them always and say, you are my son. You are my daughter. You belong to me. That doesn't change. Now, why do I say that? Because, Dad, we've reached a place in American society where certain diabolical forces want to replace you. They want to determine your child's identity. Some of them are in educational systems. Others are using social media. Some of them are working in government offices. Some of them are your child's peers at school or in their neighborhood. But I just came here today, dads, to remind you that that's not their job. Oh, I'm preaching right now. You're just listening. It's not the job of the government to tell me 
who my son or daughter is. It's not the job of a governmental agency. It's not the job of a school system or a principal or a teacher or a college professor. It's not the job of even their friends. It's surely not the job of a TikTok account telling my child who they should be. That's not their job, and if I have to fight them, I'll fight them. If I have to cut them off, I'll cut them off. It's my responsibility to help them learn who they are in Christ because I'm their daddy, and God put them with me. So, Dad, there is incredible power in your word. You need to speak into your child's life. They need to hear you affirm them when they are successful. Your daughter needs to hear you encourage her when she tries something new. Let me show you something from the scriptures. And and I think it's fascinating. In Luke chapter 3, verse 22, for 30 years, Jesus has grown up in a little, small town, country town. He's a blue-collar worker, works with his dad in the family trade, But now it is time for him to step forth as the Son of God and to begin his messianic ministry. He goes and finds John the Baptist at the Jordan River, walks over where John is baptizing people and says, baptize me. And so John does. And Jesus is now standing on the bank, soaking wet, praying to his Father. When the heavens open and the Spirit of the Lord descends on him like a dove and a voice speaks from heaven. It is God the Father speaking to his Son. And he says to him, You are my beloved Son, and in you I am well pleased. Now I know, theologically, that the Father and the Son, though the Son is incarnate, he was never... There was never a diminishment of his divinity, ever. He was always 100% God. There was just the addition of humanity. So I know theologically that the Father and the Son are equal in essence and power and glory. I know theologically that the Son does not need, you with me? The Father to tell him This is who you are. I'm giving you your identification and I'm encouraging you. I know that theologically that doesn't have to happen. So why did it happen? A lot of reasons that I'm not going to talk about because that's not my text. But I think one of the reasons is it sure is a pretty good model for the rest of us dads. Tell your child I know who you are. You're mine. You belong to me. I remember the day you were born. And I was there when I changed your first diaper. You're mine. You belong to me. You're a grown man now, but you're still mine. You'll always be mine. You're my son. And with you, daughter, son, I am so pleased. You're a great kid. I'm so proud of you. That's what's happening. God the Father is identifying the Son publicly, publicly, and letting everybody know this is my kid, and I'm proud of him. There are theological ramifications. I'm simplifying that, I know. Please, just bear with me. 
But for the sake of this message, that is the essence of what is happening here. So, Dad, it's a great example. Now, your child's going to mess up. They're going to disobey. And when they do, they're going to see and hear a side of you they won't like. They're, they will hear the voice of anger. They will hear, hear words of disappointment. And some kids are worse than others. And right now, Jaron says, here it comes. But I'm not going to do that to him on Father's Day. And there are going to be plenty of those times. That's part of raising a child. But there will be times when your son and daughter does the right thing. There will be times when they make the right moral choice. There will be times when they actually obey you. You need to tell them that you're proud of them. Bring affirmation and celebration when they do what's right. It's not just, well, they're supposed to. I told them to. I know you told them to. But tell them how proud you are that they did the right thing. Don't you think it'll motivate them? You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So give them some honey. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for doing what I told you. You know how proud that makes me of you? I, I wish you would do that all the time. Why can't you do that all the time? So a little pragmatic things here. Tell them you're proud of them when they accomplish something. Do you know that there is inside every child, we're wired this way, we need the affirmation of our parents and particularly our father. You know, there are grown men, grown men who live with hurt because their fathers never affirmed them. But kids have it wired in them that they want to hear their parents say, good job. How many times have I watched a TV show or a movie where there's a conflict between a son and a dad and the finally at the climax of the heated argument, he just, the son spurts out, I just wanted you to be proud of me. Even the world understands what is fundamental. God did. He made sure he told his son, I'm proud of you. So when your children accomplish things, Dad, tell them how proud. And not just when they're little, but when they're teenagers and when they're grown. Tell them how proud you are. And by the way, somebody taught me this, and it's been a few years since I've got to teach this. I've tried to teach this, so today is a great day. To, somebody wise, when I was a young dad, taught me this, and I thought, this is great. Thank you for teaching me this. And I really tried to practice it with my sons. When they would do something great, I would tell them how proud I was, and then I would say something like this, but you know what? I'm just proud of you because you're my son. And I tell my boys that. I'm just proud of you because you're, you're my boy. He said, what does that do, Pastor? It, it makes my kids know I'm secure. I know where I am. I know where I belong. And I know who loves me. And I know who's looking out for me. And, man, 
I like this. It, it develops things inside the boy that will then manifest when he becomes a man. You're laying a legacy. You're implanting seeds. You're forming and fashioning in the early stages something that will take root and grow and hopefully will be carried on when they become parents. See how powerful this is? Tell your kids you love them. Now, I know that may seem like a very duh moment, but there are parents who don't. So let me take it further. Tell your kids, you, and dads, dads who often struggle being verbal, dads who have a hard time sometimes expressing yourself, it's real easy. They're just three words. They're all one syllable. I love you. Your kids need to hear it. Now listen. They need to hear it when they're little. Tell them you love them. Tell them how much you love them. I got this thing now with the grandkids. I said, Bo, I love you so much. I said, I love you. I said, I love you. It's so wide, I can't love you. He said, Papa, I love you all the way to the moon and back. What do you want? I'll give you up to half the kingdom. What do you want? Do those things that, ooh, mm, tough day today, Mom. My dad had this thing he'd do. When he'd start, Sonia and I'd wait on it. He'd say, I wouldn't trade you for two farms in Texas. And he'd pause. And we'd be going, yeah. he said, but maybe one in North Carolina. Because <laughs> he was from North Carolina. Now, that we, we have, we said stars love humor. And that was dad's way. Now, my dad told me he loved me all the time. But that was one of dad's creative ways of saying, that's how important you are to me. I wouldn't trade you for two farms in Texas. Tell them when they're little. Now, stay with, y'all with me? Okay. Tell them when they're teenagers. That's when they really need to hear it. Because half the time, you want to kill them. Honey, can we just lock them in a room till they turn 18 and then let them out? No. But that's when your son and daughter really need to hear, hear you say. Well, they don't say it back. Well, that's not what love is about. Love is a one-way street, and you just hope that the other person makes it a two-way road. That's your child. The fun part about it is make them say it. Makes them miserable. Uh, come on, tell me. Do it in front of their friends. <laughs> Y'all know who Ben Bulware is. Played for the Clemson Tigers. I saw Ben Bulware yesterday. 
his brother, Garrett, played baseball with Jaron. So we know the whole Boulware family. Jamie and Crystal, his mom and dad, have been our friends for years. Baseball parents have a club. You get a club, and it never it stays with you till you die. And so they happened to be at a restaurant. So I was talking to the boys, and they had the wives and the grandbabies talking to Jamie and Crystal. Anyway, they were leaving. We, we were just coming. They were leaving. And I had to go out and get something in my truck. Big old Ben Boulware was standing Clemson Tiger, football player, you know, everybody knows it. Standing out there, getting in his truck, and Jamie, his daddy's walking up, and in front of God and everybody, he said, I love you, loud as he could. Slipped down and got in his truck, loud as he could. And I said, now, there's a man, and there's a son who was told he was loved. And his daddy taught him, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter if the whole world standing out here you tell me you love me he told his daddy I love you daddy the only reason he did that is because his daddy had told him that he loved him tell them when they're adults this thing about shaking hands hello son I had an aunt who was not a very good aunt do that to me when I was 12. We were a hugging family. And I went to hug her. I'm 12. And she pushed me off and said, and shook my hand. From that day on, I wrote her off. I said, you may be married to my uncle, but you're not my aunt anymore. And she's still not today. Don't have bitterness in my heart. She's just not my aunt. I divorced her at 12. Good to see you. Tell your grown kids you love them. Let the grandbabies hear you saying, I love you. Love you, Dad. Love you, son. Creates that environment of love. The grandbabies grow up learning it. We just tell each other we love each other. Why do y'all do that? Because we love each other. Give them a hug. They really hate that, especially when they're teenagers. Make them hug you. How many parents know what I'm talking about? Been there and done that, baby. I really have fun with Evan. I'm telling on him. So it'll be, how about that, Jaron? Evan was the most cuddly kid baby you ever had in your life. Now as a grown man, he's a touch-me-not. I'll just start rubbing his back sometimes. He'll, he'll be doing this. Dad, stop. Come on, Evan. He just does the fold-up thing. These kids need this. Can I, can I go down a rabbit trail? I guess I've already done it. And, and I say this not to be mean. I'm not saying this because I'm just wanting to go down a rabbit trail. I have a friend of mine who's a grown man. I'm his mentor, and I love him like a son. He's grown. He has grown kids now, this, this, this young man. But he was in my youth group, and I knew his parents. I had been to his house, but his dad was raised this way. 
when he was young, when this boy was young, his dad would tell him, I loved him. When he turned 12, and he's now becoming manlyish, he stopped telling him he loved him. This, this young man went through his teen years never hearing his dad say, I love you, son. No hugs, nothing. And he finally opened up and told me one day. And I said, why? I know your dad. Why? He said, well, he tells us I put food on the table and a roof over your head and clothes on your back. That's how I tell you I love you. Now, you listen to the preacher today. That's a bunch of baloney. And baloney is the strongest word I'm allowed to use from the pulpit. But if you would like to go outside after church, I will be happy to come up with some more adjectives to express how I feel about that. You listening, dads? In case anybody does that, that's not how you tell them you love them. That's your job. That, that, oh, don't, get, don't sit on me. Don't sit on me now. That's your job. That's your job. You had them. You begot them. Now you got to bestow to them. I'm preaching now. Help him, Lord. When you beget them, you got to bestow to them. That's fundamental. So none of that stuff. You stop that. You get on the phone or you go to their house and you grab them and pull them up close and they're going to go into cardiac arrest when you do it. You give them the biggest bear hug you can and you say, I love you, boy. I love you, honey, and I'm sorry that I didn't tell you all these years, but some preacher straightened me out. And I'm not going to do it again. Because I wish my daddy was here so he could do it. And one day you won't be here anymore. My wife said, I thought you'd get somebody else to preach on Father's Day. I said, I want to talk to my church. The power of Father's positive words. Dads, we're so powerful. Man, our society's trying to emasculate us, but we Christian men aren't going to let it happen because we know who we are in Christ. Our words are powerful, and I'm going to use mine to do good everywhere I can, especially with my family. Our words are powerful. They can change the trajectory of a child. There is a story in Genesis 35. Jacob had 12, had 11 sons. And his wife gave birth to the 12th. The birth went bad. Things went wrong and the mother died in giving birth. Before she breathed her last, she said, name him Ben Oni, 
which means son of my sorrow. And that was his name. Now, if that name would have stuck, I want you to put yourself in, in the place of that young man, if that was your name. Your name. Every time everybody said your name, you know what you think of? I was the kid that killed my mother. I was the cause of my mother's death. I'm a, I'm a dis death. I'm a disappointment. I'm a failure. It had been better. Listen, it had been better if I would have never been born. And Judah walks in the room and he's grieving that your wife passed away and he's holding this baby. And one of the women said, before she died, she named it. He said, what did, he, what did she name him? Ben Oni. Ben Oni? Son of my sorrow? Yeah, that's his name. And Judah said, no, it's not. Because I'm not raising a boy who's going to spend his whole life thinking that he's a failure and that we wished he'd never been born. I'm calling him Benjamin. He's going to be the son of my right hand. Everywhere I go, he's going with me. This is my kid. That's cool, isn't it? Changed his name. Changed his identity. Saved his life. The wrong words by a dad can leave deep wounds. Wounded boys grow up to become wild men who bestow wounds of their own on their children. So if you've wounded your child, own up to it, apologize for it, ask for forgiveness, and heal the wound. It's a longer message because i got more coming out of me. Let me move fast. Two, a father bestows masculinity to his son. If you have daughters, you can just listen. Boys crave this from a father. Teach me how to be a man. Teach me how to be masculine. I think it's wired in us. And dads, it's our job to teach them how to be a man. And just to go down a rabbit trail, that's why we have, I think, part of our problem in America is because we have so many single moms who have no dad. And we got boys growing up who want to be just like their mom instead of just like their dad. And that's why we need fathers. Some men, have you ever noticed this? You get around some guys, they just love to tell you how their father, my daddy taught me how to fish. My daddy taught me how to hunt. My daddy taught me how to fix a tractor. My daddy taught me how to change my brakes. My daddy taught me how to, you know, those kind of manly things. Not that women can't do those things. Please don't paint me in that corner, okay? Just stay with me. But things that generally, my daddy taught me how to do that. And they like to talk about, my daddy taught me how to do My daddy was one of the best at that. My, and they talk, there's a connect. Why is that happening? Because the father and the son engaged one another. They spent time together. Dads, there's, there's something to be said for quality time. That dude who rode Cat in the Cradle knew what he was talking about. You can't lead in absence and you can't father in absence. The installment of manhood can only happen when a father and a son are together. And when you are together, you pass on masculinity to your boy 
through the interaction. Sometimes it's what you say, other times it's what you do. This is where I love to use my, one of my favorite lines in life, more things are caught than they are taught. I want to grow up to be just like you, Dad. Well, how are, how are you living? And by the way, so that no one, because I know I've been doing this a long time, there, there are already a few people, I can feel it, who are sitting there saying, oh, so I have to hunt or fish to be a man? Whoa. Masculinity is not defined by doing quote-unquote manly things like hunting and fishing and working on cars. Listen to me. Masculinity is defined by being the man that God created you to be. So some men can write well. Some men aren't jocks, but they can play a piano. They can tear it up. They're musical. Does it make them any less manly? Not at all. And to think that is very narrow-minded. You want to you help your child become the man. That, some guys are chefs. Thank God for cooks. My wife tells, my wife's a good cook. She says, you're a much better cook than me. And I said, well, that's just because I'm not afraid to try stuff. Why don't we throw a little bit of this in here and see what happens? Men, men are great chefs. Does that make you any less manly because you're not out there with grease all over your hands? No. Being a man is being the man that God called you to be. Recognize your son's giftings from God and encourage him to pursue his destiny as the man that God called him to be. You know, when Jaren was, when Leah was pregnant with Jaren, she looked at me one day and panic got over her face. I said, what's wrong? She said, what if he can't sing? I said, it'll be, she said, what if he can't play sports? What if he does, I said, honey, it'll be okay. He'll be all right. It's, you haven't even given birth to him yet. I mean, let's wait and see. I said, I don't think he has much of a chance. Finally, I'm coming to a close. A father bestows identity. A father bestows masculinity on his son. I, I could spend another hour on that. A father bestows spirituality. So spirituality doesn't just happen. It has to be nurtured and encouraged in your child. Spiritual disciplines like Bible reading and prayer have to be taught. Your son and daughter have to be held accountable. Don't tell them to read their Bible then not hold them accountable. Come up with a reward system. If you read a chapter tonight, I'll give you 50 cents. I'll give you a dollar. I'll unlock your Xbox and let you have it. You know, whatever. Just find ways. And then, Dad, we have to model spirituality of the family. I, I think, I don't know, Lee and I were talking about this, maybe some of us. But I think a lot of times, we don't mean to do it, but we, we've sort of, Dads, we've relegated the spiritual things to mom. You, you handle that. You're better. You're better at that. Uh-uh. Don't do that. You are hurting your child. They need to hear you pray. They need to hear you bless the food. I don't know. A few months ago, we were talking. Bo was with me, and we blessed the food. He said, Papa, what's that? I said, you know what that is. We do it a lot. He said, my daddy doesn't bless the food. I said, what? I said, I find that hard to believe. 
So when I called Jaron, I was telling him, I said, Jaron, I said, you're not going to believe what Bo said. He, I said, what? I told him he about came through the roof. He said, Dad, we do too, bless the foot. He said, that little thing. And I said, don't you, you, don't you get after him for that. Leave him alone. Bo's just being aggravating. <laughs> Studies show that an absent father in a home greatly increases negative effects on children. I think we can know that. Poverty, low educational outcomes. Mental health is affected. But no father in the home has a negative spiritual effect too. Conversely, when a dad's in the home, listen to me dads, this is really, I think you'll like this. It makes a difference. A study published by Oxford University Press found that having a close bond with your father, father matters the most in religious transmission. When you're close to your dad, the faith passes on. For example, among evangelical fathers, that's us, there is a 25-point difference. Think about that. In the professed faith similarity between the parent and child for those kids who feel emotionally close to their father compared to those children who don't. So, Dad, when you're close with your kids, you pass the faith on. In Genesis... Musicians come quickly. In Genesis, we see an interesting pattern. Everywhere Abraham went, he pitched his tent and he built an altar. Read it and it happens because he was a nomad. Then it would say Abraham pitched his tent in Bethel and he built an altar. So he could have communion with God and offer sacrifices and be spiritual. Then he went to another place, and he pitched his tent, went over here, and he built an altar. This was a lifestyle with Father Abraham. And along comes Isaac. And Isaac is a living in an environment where you pitch your tent, but you build the altar. Come on, son. We're going to talk to God. And he becomes a grown man. And Abraham dies, and now the Bible narrative moves to Isaac. Eventually, it'll go to his son, Jacob. And one of the things we read, interestingly enough, is that as Isaac is moving, it says, and Isaac pitched his tent, and he built an altar to the Lord. More things are caught than taught. So, Dad, you're doing a good thing when you encourage your child to read his Bible or you ask her, have you prayed today? Dad, you're doing a good thing every Sunday when you say, get up, we're going to church tomorrow. I'm too tired. You can sleep later today. You can sleep tonight. Get up. Shouldn't have stayed up so late last night. But you're going to church. Get up. Teenagers giving you a hard time. If you don't get in that car, I'll rip off your arm and I'll beat you black and blue with it and I'll get in that car. And then we'll pray for healing at church. You're doing a good thing when you say to the family, let's get up Sunday. thought we were going to the lake. We can go to the lake after church. The sun's not going anywhere. We're going to church. 
That's good preaching right there in Anderson County. Dad, you're doing a good thing when you teach your child to be faithful to God and, you, and when you're consistent in your walk with your Lord and you hold that standard. Dad, you're doing a good thing. I just want to affirm the dads. Sometimes Father's Day, fathers leave feeling like they got beat up on. I'm not. Every dad in here that you've got a godly son or daughter, your kids are in children's church right now and kids' church and you brought them to church and you've, you, you've got them a Bible and you pray with them. Good for you. Good for you, Dad. You keep it up. You're leaving a legacy. Because God has called us to be leaders. And you're doing a fine job leading your family. For those of you who have young children, here's your chance. Here's your chance. Pastor, I don't really know if I've been doing some of that. My boy's five. My girl's six. Oh, you need to start now. In fact, you could have started when they were first born. I really believe all my grandbabies are so close to me because they've been hearing me preach for nine months before they were born. They know Papa's voice. But be the dad that God's called. Rise to the occasion. You'll be a powerful force. Who knows what your godly son or daughter will grow up to do, what your grandchildren will grow up to do. And they'll talk about you and say, but it was my dad who laid the foundation. There's a man in this church. He's a grown man. He's got grandbabies, but his daddy's still living, and he tells me all the time, he said, I wish I could be half the man my daddy is. That's what I want my boys to say about me. I hope I can be half the man my daddy is. I want to live that life. Not perfect. How many of y'all men know there's not a perfect man in here? Man, ain't none of us perfect. God knows that. But it's not about perfection. It's about consistency and spirituality. Stand to your feet, please. Pass the faith on. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.